Look, I love him to death, but he was a hard boss. And that's when the Lebanese thing kicks in. It's time to be self-employed. <laughs> if you have a goal and you have a dream, don't give up. Today, uh, we have the honor of hosting our older brother, Haysam Muhtadi, a dear brother, dear, dear brother to us, who we love dearly, and we've had a very long relationship with Hanawa. Uh, uh, we'd like to welcome you to the Safi Bros podcast, and we'd love for you to share your story with us, inshallah. Um, subhanallah, you hold a lot of hats, and uh, you've worn a lot of hats, mashallah. Uh, within the fire industry. So, mashallah, you've currently got a business and you're a managing director of it. What's That's the correct. at the moment? That's correct. Um, so the, uh, the company is called Fire Industry Supplies and it's a supply company for the fire industry. And, and, there's, a, and there's a story behind that why I actually started that company, but we'll get there later Mashallah, on. And mashallah, you're, you're quite a prominent supplier for the fire industry. Like you'd be one of the largest, I'd say. Well, I'm probably the only one. So um, I actually found an edge in the market where there was no wholesalers for the merchants. So most merchants in Australia import. So um, back in 2014, I thought myself, oh, there's a bit of a niche here that no one's actually tapped into. Why get everyone to import when I can import in quantity and give it to the merchants at a discounted rate because of my volume? So thank God until now, I have no opposition. But um, we work very hard to find... Um, up-spec products that no one else has in the marketplace um, to to fulfil the and a bit of a gap in industry, mm. which is um, uh, very difficult because you have to convince your customers why not to import. Yeah, so, why, why to go through through you? Yeah, why why, why come through me? And yeah, Allah, you've got a got a huge knowledge base in the fire industry. You're currently uh, the president of the Victorian Fire Industry. Yes, I'm the current. Um, what do you call it, the current president of the National Fire Industry Association and also current national vice president. Wow. And I've probably been president now in Victoria for probably 15 to 18 years. Actually, that's a long time. Yeah, it's a long time. It's a long time serving, long isn't time it? And a long time and long time donating personal time. Yes. Yeah, that, and, and you do that, Fisabili uh, for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There's nothing Correct. Not, it's, it's volunteer. Both um, nas- national and uh, Victoria? Yep, so I'm Victorian president. And national vice president. And that takes, wow. a, how much time of your day would, say, of your week would that take on well, average? Well, you know, I'm on the phone constantly. So there's calls every day regarding um, the fire industry, regarding government bodies, the Victorian Building Authority, fire industry training. So um, I'm the probably go-to man in Victoria for answers. Um, and wow. we work very close with the industry to lobby government, lobby regulators, to protect this industry. Um, people forget that fire industry protects people's lives and property. It's not an air conditioning system for comfort. Yeah. Mm. It's actually a very important part of construction. And, mm. and also, you also, from what I'm aware, that you go out and you do inspections and... Yep. So um, the company that I own um, has two parts of the company. So it's the supply chain. And also, uh, we have a branch called Fire Inspection Services. So um, there's a group called AFSPAB, which is a certified board. When a fire system is installed, it requires third-party certification. So there's only a number of us in Victoria which are recognised by the fire brigade and by building surveyors that can certify buildings. Wow. Yep. So after construction is completed, before the fire brigade give the okay to the building surveyor that you can open up, we go to site and independently audit the installers to mm. keep them in track and police the industry. I can wow. imagine you would have found, you, we'll, share, we'll share some stories later yeah. on of how many things you found. <laughs> I remember you talking about a sprinkler being close to the window. and Oh, there's a lot of stories, a lot, a lot of stories. <laughs> you know, and um, um, there's certifiers and there's certifiers. There's certifiers that don't look up. <laughs> I look up. <laughs> we know. And all, we know, we and know. all sprinklers are um, above your head. So, Mashallah, Aleki, you're very meticulous in what you do yep. and you always have been. And yep. it, it's passion. And it's, it's your every, passion everyone everyone has a passion for something. And yeah. uh, subhanAllah, my passion has always been fire protection. And there's a story why I love this trade and love this industry, which will go back to Inshallah. the beginning. But um, the, the industry has done very well for myself. And um, 
I really, really love the industry. Um, it's it's a community in itself. Um, I remember when I first started, there was not many Middle Eastern people in this industry. <laughs> it was a more Scottish, Irish-based industry. Wow. So um, uh, it's grown Immensely. compared to when I first started back in um, 1992, I think it was, or 1991, when I first started the industry. Wow. Mm, so take us back there. Yeah. Take, us, take us to the take start. Take us back. Right. Take us to the start maybe, of your... Maybe, maybe we'll go back all the way to when I finished year 12. Nice. So we finished year 12 and um, I was a bit lost knowing what am I going to do with myself. And um, I came to a conclusion that I was going to join the police force. Wow. So there was a pre... Why? I guess I, I felt like um, I can probably see myself as a good... Um, Enforcer, enforcement person. You know, I've always done things by the law. You are you know, an enforcer. Even, even, we can even, say that much. Even, <laughs> even when I was young, I mean, I never broke the law. And I mean, um, always wanted to make sure people were safe. So I thought that would probably be the correct and career for myself. Your calling. Yeah. So I went to uh, Preston TAFE and done a pre-police um, entrance exam course. So they wow. prepare you for the exam. Oh, wow. Yeah. I've done that, done that um, course and... Set the police exam, passed the police exam, and then something just went pop in my head and said, can I knock on someone's door and say to them that your child has been run over or you've lost a partner? And I didn't think I had the heart for that. Wow. wow. And that was a turning point when I thought to myself, no. Nah. That was I, just a thought. That was a, I didn't think I had the character of knocking on someone's door and say that you've lost a partner or lost a child. Is that through your pre-apprenticeship, obviously, that these are the kind of subjects that they were talking about? Is that no, like- no, not at all. Oh, you know wow. I mean, so, you know, I mean, done the course, done the test, you know, I mean, done, done the fitness, all that, all pretty good. Wow. And then when it came to um, um, enrolling and going through the academy, something just told me that I don't think I'm cut out for it. SubhanAllah. So... I had a, know, we didn't know that about you. Yeah, yeah. We didn't know. We didn't know. So I had a year break from study. A gap year. Yeah, and I worked at my father's fruit shop in Campbell Market, which was a turning point of my life. I've never worked so hard until now that the year that I worked hard. Dad would wake us up at 3 o'clock in the morning. Wow. At 3 a.m. to go to the wholesale market and work there Six days a week, and it was hard work. It was hard work. And I, and, I, and I actually didn't enjoy it. There was no enjoyment. There was no ambition for it. And it was just like a time to try to work out what I was going to do with myself. And um, going out with friends was exhausting because you come home after being awake since 3 o'clock in the morning, and by 9 p.m. you want to be in bed. Yeah, wow. it burned out. You got yeah. no choice. Burned out. We share the same thing because my first job, other than working for my dad, was working at Heidelberg Fruit Shop mm. on Saturdays and Sundays. Mm. And I swear to you, this guy used to make me. He used to get all I did every Friday, Saturday. He'd get big, you know, the square pallets of potatoes and onions. Yep. And my job was to fill them up with ten kilo bags and yep. twenty kilo bags. Yep. Wow. And I would do that for eight hours mm. straight, mm. and I wasn't allowed to sit down. Mm. <laughs> and wallah, subhanAllah, that was how I saved up for my first bike. Yep. But subhanAllah, I knew that wasn't a job for me. Yep. And that yep. would be, again, like subhanAllah, yeah. such a yeah. hard job. You, hard. you go home and you just knocked out. Yep. Yeah. Saturday night, Sunday night, I was KO'd. Yeah. And, and my father was, um, look, I love him to death, but he was a hard boss. He was a very, very hard boss. No sick days. I remember one day I was unloading the truck and I slipped on the truck and I broke my arm. Wow. So that's, you know, I mean, in the rush of all business, gave me directions where to go to the doctor. So I walked to the doctor myself, carrying my broken arm. They've done x-rays, plastered it, and the doctor goes, you need at least two days rest. It's actually broken badly. Go home and rest it. So I came back and told Dad, and Dad goes, what's wrong with your left hand? Go straight <laughs> to the register, and you can work on the register. Oh, wow. So I had to work on the register with my left hand and telling customers to open up their bags, and I would put things in their bags because I only had one hand to wow. operate. So, look, Dad was a hard boss, wow. a very hard boss. The thing that Dad didn't know is I started thinking about maybe doing something in finance, and I told Dad that, and his reaction was, we don't have gills working for us. 
So <laughs> in dad's mind, working in the bank or working in finance was a girl's job. Yeah, tell her. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> yeah, you start somewhere. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> so um, I used to apply for these jobs as a challenge. And I'll go to the interview, get the jobs, but never turn up. Well, oh. yep. And I've done it with AMP, I've done it with CBA, and I've done it with a couple of other um, institutions where I would apply. It was more of just a personal challenge to see if I actually could get the job. Oh, wow. So you're but challenging that, yourself. Yeah, but I never had the, the courage to tell dad that actually applied or got the jobs. Within that year, while I was working, I made a good friend um, at the fruit shop called Harry Kidner. Harry Kidner was a customer of our fruit shop and was the Victorian president, uh, sorry, the Victorian supervisor of Chubb Fire. Back then, Chubb Fire was one of the iconic companies in the fire industry. And he kept telling me, hey, Sam, do an apprenticeship, do an apprenticeship, do an apprenticeship, week in, week out, week in, week out. Hey, Sam, do an apprenticeship. Finally, I rang up my mother and I said, mum, I'm going to actually apply for this apprenticeship. And she asked me, what's his apprenticeship? I said, sprinklers. And she goes, what's sprinklers? I said, landscaping, sprinklers. She goes, okay, go for it. So I started thinking, oh, yeah, landscaping, sprinklers, gardening, outside, out and open. Nice. Something new. Yep. And I never knew the company name because he told me he was the Victorian supervisor of fire sprinklers. Never said the word chub fire because if you said the word chub fire, you would actually know what it was. So um, they've set up this interview for me. I got dressed up, got my resume, went to the interview, sat how, down. How old were you? Uh, 21. 21. Yeah, 2021. 20, nice. Young, yeah. naive. So you've done a year at Dad's Fruit and Bench? Done a year, yep. And um, now I'm trying to find out what I'm going to do with myself. Mm. And um, I sat down with three men in this interview and one of them asked me a question. They were just talking about their Bali trip that they just came <laughs> back from. So I kind of interrupted the conversation and I said, um, are you guys going to ask me any questions? Because I was very proud, had my resume, I was dressed up in a suit. Like, come on, hey, Sam, it's Harry Kidner we're talking about. You've got the job. I said, yeah, um, you don't want to come on. Do you mind leaving? Because oh, we want to con- continue our conversation of our <laughs> oh, holiday. Oh, no. So the job was in the bag. Um, which I, I wasn't very happy because I was actually prepared myself and psyched myself up to be interviewed. But um, I went back and told Dad that I've got a job Amazing. doing... Um, Can I just touch on that? Yep. It's very important that, subhanAllah, the doors that open through a network or through a connection... Correct. ...is so important and Correct. so profound that... And I, I, some of these young... Why I want to touch base on this is because so many people don't understand that... Mm. Somebody that you might meet every day or just might open a door you that never you know. never thought. You never know. You never know. So when I went and told my father that I was going to actually leave the fruit shop, because that actually relied on me by then. I was his backbone. You know, when I was there, dad could go home and rest. Um, if it was overseas or anything, I was there. Oh, wow. And um, I don't think my father took it lightly that I was going to leave the fruit shop. My mother was very proud because my mum felt like it was probably a career path. Mm. So the first day came of starting on this project and I've rolled up in East Melbourne, cranes everywhere, and I'm thinking to myself, why would they want to put landscaping during construction? Because <laughs> landscaping is towards the end. I still remember my charge's name. His name was Andy Wiseman. And I told Andy, I said, Andy, why are we doing landscaping for now? And he said, what landscaping? I said, sprinklers. He goes, do you know the trade you're getting into? And I said, um, isn't it landscaping? He said, it's fire protection. I said, fire protection? He goes, yes, fire sprinklers. I said, what are fire sprinklers? And he kind of hit his head and said, what I want to do to this kid? Wow. You know, and like, this kid hasn't got a clue of the industry he's bad, getting himself bad, into. Bad start. But isn't that amazing? Like, subhanAllah, yeah. you, you were thinking one thing and you got into Sanam else completely. Correct, correct. And... Subhanallah, now you're leading the industry. In yes. Oh, Would you have gone if you knew it was? I, I Actually, at that time, time in my life, yes. Okay. I was very lost in which career no, path. I, I just think so. maybe no, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala no, was. I would Because you were mentioning yeah. that you were going to some of yeah. these different industries yeah. and finance and you never, you never end up following up. Harry told me that get yourself a trade 
And then if you don't like it, you can go and do something else, but you always have a trade to fall back on. Nice. That's why I actually felt like I'll go and do this trade. But when the pay slip started coming in and I started getting relocated to bigger projects, I got actually sent to one of the biggest projects in Victoria. It was called Loyang B Power Station in La Trove Valley. It was a power station. Wow. And this was your first year? First year. I was probably only in there a few months. And I excelled extremely well in my industry. Can I can I ask? Can yep. I ask a question? From working for your dad and, and that pay package mm. compared to what you were getting mm. now, obviously because the industry is, mm. you know, they're very prosperous. Was that a big gap? Was that, it was a, was dad, that like, dad, okay, okay? Dad was looking after me also. You know, I mean, I must say that dad was paying me well. But the construction industry and where I ended up being in a power station with living way allowance, travel mm. money, height money, with all the perks, perks that you got on this construction side, I got paid very well. Back then, I was earning $1,200 a week in 1992. Wow. Yeah. So for my experience in the fruit shop, I loved this industry because of the hours. And because I was so tired at the fruit shop, I actually started embracing this trade like I don't want to I don't want to go back to where I was. Subhanallah, without that hardship, yep. you never know how comfortable you are in a new job, isn't Correct. it? Correct. So Correct. it was a reflection, isn't Correct. it? Correct. I was really scared of going back to where I was, of wow. getting up at 3 o'clock in the morning, Amazing. working hard, sometimes till 9 p.m. on Thursdays and Fridays and all that, and Saturday morning starts. You know, it was so, so this was a breeze, this new this, job? This was, <laughs> this was heaven for me. <laughs> Subhanallah. So I embraced it. Amazing. And everyone would laugh at me on the construction side because I would have all my Australian standards Open up during smoker and lunch breaks, studying my ass off. Well, everyone, we have the People magazines, <laughs> the Naughty magazines. They'll look at me and say, what the hell is this kid doing? Wow. And I'll have all the Australian standards open and I'll study and study and study until the fourth year, four years were finished and I won every award you can think of in the fire industry, first year, second year, third year and fourth year. Wow. So I was one of the only guys that actually won and, and the industry that, that they gave you all these awards is the industry you're looking after now. Correct. <laughs> so I'm talking, it's now, amazing. I, now I give the awards now. <laughs> but, but back then at RMIT, because the school was at RMIT, um, I got the first um, best year apprentice in first year, second year, third year, and fourth year. Wow. Can, can I ask, mm. was the driving factor that the pain of – Working up three o'clock in the morning, working so hard, smelling—you know—that that hard work was that your driver, or was it more than that? Uh, and the driver was two things. One, I wanted to be independent. The second driver was, I, I found it very hard to have a social life working that fruit shop because I was always exhausted, I was always tired. Um, you, you think about it, three o'clock in the morning every day exhausts you, exhausts you. You know, I mean, like I mean, by nine o'clock at night, I could. Like back then I was um, dating someone and uh, I would fall asleep in the car. I just couldn't get my eyes open. Wow. You know, because by the time it's been 9.30, you have to start calculating how many more hours before you get up. Yeah. So after the four years, um, I'd done very well for myself as an apprentice. I became qualified and that's when the, I guess um, the Lebanese thing kicks in. It's time to be self-employed. <laughs> you know, yeah. many Lebanese people don't want to work for some people. And then, then that was my journey of now, I guess, phase two. So journey number two. Journey number two. So I thought to myself, it's time now to start a fire protection company. Everyone started laughing. Back then, there was no independent fire protection companies in Australia. So the, on, the only company was Chubb? No, no, no. There was others. There was Chubb Fire. Chubb Fire. There was Firefighting Enterprise, okay. which is an American company. So Chubb Fire was an English company. Okay. There was O'Donnell Griffin, and there was a few others were well, multinationals. We call them multinationals. Okay. They're big companies. Big companies. Yeah. So I – Who was the biggest? Back then, I think it was a company called FFE, Firefighting Enterprise. Oh, wow. Yeah. Bigger than Chubb there. Yeah, time. yeah. And we're, and we're talking about here early 90s, early 90s, 95, 94. Um, but at 96, I thought this was a time for me to start my own company. How old were you there? 96, probably 20, 25. Wow, it's... Yeah, it was, 20, it was very young. Young, ambitious. Yeah, young, ambitious, hard worker and very naive. I was still very, very naive and very innocent. 
So um, I went and saw the managing director of Chub Fire. Her name was Jane Vogels. I still remember her name. SubhanAllah. Very beautiful, elegant lady. Um, and spoke well, dressed well. And she liked me a lot because I was like very young and very enthusiastic. So she gave me her, the time of the day. And I said, Jane, um, I want to resign. And she goes, why would you want to resign? I said, I'm starting my own company. She goes, hey, some, I'll just pay you some more money and you can stay. Wow. So she put, gave me a, a substantial pay rise. Very happy. Do you mind? Uh, double? Triple? No, no, no. It was probably like an extra 30%. I don't remember the exact figures, but it was okay. a good pay rise. Okay. And then um, I, after a few days, I thought, hold on. I, I didn't want a pay rise. I want to leave. <laughs> so I went back there and I said, look, Jane, I really appreciate the pay increase, but um, I really want to leave. She goes, come on, I'll give you a bit more money. Wow. So I actually left and took the money. A few weeks later, I said, no, that's it. I'm going to go back down there. I'm not going to accept any more pay rises and I'm going to leave. Was there anyone in that process you were being mentored by? No. Support? No. This is all no. on your own will. I'll tell you where the support came. You know, I mean, we're going to get to that point. Oh, so I went there a third time and I said, Jane, please, no more pay increase. I want to leave. And she looked at me and she goes, hey, Sam, we know what you're going to do. You're going to take our customers. And honestly, hand on heart, that was not my intention. I was thinking yellow pages. (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking pamphlets. (laughs) I was thinking knocking on people's doors and just start somewhere. And I said, "Um," she goes, hey, Sam, we know what you're going to do. How about here's our portfolio. Choose 10 and leave the rest. And I think it was about 360 in the portfolio. Wow. wow. Sorry, five, five. Choose five and leave the rest. So I went and spoke to someone and he said, you need legal advice. I said, why? He goes, hey, some, go and get some legal advice. And I still recall the lawyer that I went and saw. It was called Simon Jarks in East Melbourne. Okay. So I went and told him my story. He goes, son, you go back in there and you choose the five biggest customers and you tell them, if they don't agree, you're going to go for a lot. Because if you get 10% of the lot, that's more than the five that you've chosen. Oh, wow. I said, I can't do that. He goes, hey, son, it's time to grow those balls. <laughs> <laughs> and, wow. honestly, and honestly, um, I didn't have the courage to do that. So I kind of you know, thought about it and analyzed it and, and went to that meeting and it was a boardroom meeting. So I've walked into this boardroom. They're probably sitting down. At 25. 25. And they had all these customers on there. And I said, all right, I'm ready to choose. And I said, I'll have BHP, I'll have Pakapanyu Army Base, I'll have Ford Motor Company, I'll have Nestle Chocolate, wow. and I'll have Mercedes-Benz. And you should have seen everyone's face. They said, what the hell are you saying? Hello. You've just chosen the five blue chip customers How that did we you have. know? How did you know they were the biggest? Because I was looking after them. I was working there for four years. Wow. So you were so, servicing all the Yeah, yeah. So, this was all service contracts, not service, service. Not 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 yeah, yeah. service and maintenance. Maintenance. Yeah, so wow. service and maintenance. Because there's, there's different sections of the fire industry. Yeah, so it's construction. Construction. And service and maintenance. Service and maintenance. And yeah. you were in the service and maintenance. I was I was a specialist. At the start when I started was the construction and then I entered and mastered the special service maintenance industry. Wow. Oh. Yeah. But isn't it like how valuable was like imagine that you didn't go and get that legal advice. Mm-hmm. Like where would your life be completely? Uh, God knows. You know what I mean? It's, it's amazing how like the power mm. of seeking mm. you know, people of knowledge. People you know what I mean? And people yeah. that, you know. We've, we've had similar situations mm. where we, we, the best advice we've been given is make sure you've got a great lawyer and yep. a great accountant. Yep. Not, a, not a, just a, an extraordinary accountant, an yep. extraordinary lawyer. Because, yep. yes, we all tend to go to these two elements and try to save costs, mm. but they end up costing you double. 100%. 100%. So um, they all looked at me. And I said, we just can't believe what you just said. Um, How many in the boardroom? Four. Four. Four Major yeah. stakeholders. Yeah. yeah. Key. Yeah. Wow. And um, they said, I said, okay, well, if we can't come to an agreement, I'm going to go for the lot. You said that to them? Yep. And I, thought, I said exactly what the Lord told me. So you me. grew those kahunas. Yep. I grew those kahunas, <laughs> even though we're a bit sore. Oh, wow. I said, I'm going to go for the lot, and if I don't get the lot and I get 10%, that's more than a five I just chose. And I got, up and, words, yep, and I got up and walked out and I said, hey, some, hey, some. Come, come here, come back, come back, sit down, sit down. Wow. Let's talk about this. And anyway, 
to cut a long story short, we came to an agreement that I'll give me those five customers as a subcontractor. So I will go in there, wave their flag, and I'll sign on behalf of my company. So I get exposure. I guess they didn't realise what they agreed to was the biggest mistake of their life because I was now the face of the company. I was talking to the customers. I was doing all the work. I was answering all the phone calls. All they were doing is getting my quote, putting a markup of 10%, giving to the customer, but no interaction with the customer anymore. Wow. Eventually, what the customer said, why are we paying that margin to Chubb? To Chubb. We better just give it to you. They physically did that? Yes. Wow. How long did that take? Two years. Two years before they said, why am I giving Chubb a percentage? Two years. So. I wasn't at the company. So. What did you set up? Was that a company? I, 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 called, <laughs> I called the company Rhino Fire. Why? why? All right. The reason why I called it Rhino Fire, I still recall one day I was watching a program on ABC called Animals Are Humans. And there was a segment in there where if a rhinoceros sees a fire, he stumps all over it. So I thought, bingo, that's the name of my company. Oh, wow. I'm in the industry of extinguishing fires. A rhinoceros, if he sees a fire, he stumps all over it. So it's run a fire. Nice. So within those two years, it was, (laughs) yeah, within those two years, I worked extremely hard because I couldn't get employees to come to me. It was very hard to get an employee to leave a multinational company and come to one man show. Yeah. So I had to have a lot of subcontractors help me out. Wow. Long hours, seven days a week. I was now working harder than I was working in the fruit shop. Wow. Until I got my first employee, and I still remember his name, Matt Conlon. Then I got my second employee, Warren Cross. Then I got my third employee, Colin Sindham. Wow. And then from 96 to 2006, the business kind of grew and grew and grew to um, one of the biggest service companies in Victoria. Inshallah. Can I I just ask? Those two years that you predominantly proved yourself to be better than mm. Chubb, mm. do you think if you... Better ju- than Chubb for those, for those customers. For those customers. Yep. Do you believe if you had just just milked it and just mm. said, I've got great contracts, I'm making mm. good money and mm. did nothing but just the bare minimum, mm. do you think you'd be here? Of course not. Of course not. There was a lot of sacrifice. That's what, that's what I need people yeah, to yeah, yeah. Even that, though you were given a great, great kickstart. Yep, yep. But you, these companies yeah, never came no, to you till after two no, years before yes. they said you come. You had to prove yourself. Fantastic. But the biggest sacrifice in those years was family sacrifice. You know, I mean, when uh, a new business owner is fully focused on his business, you start now neglecting family life. Um, and that's where the balance, you have to start learning of how do you balance family and work? Mm. Because family is actually more important than work. But at that early stages, I've probably um, done a few errors in my life where I concentrated on my work more yeah. than my family. Wow. During that period of time, Harry now works for me. So I, Harry used to be my supervisor at Chubb Fire and the world's turned around and now me and Harry cross paths and I tell Harry, come and work for me. And he became my right-hand man. He came and approached me and said, I think you need to get your brothers across. I said, no, because my two brothers were also in the fire industry, but they were working for opposition companies. Okay. The reason why they were working for opposition companies, I actually got them to start there through friends in the industry, thinking it's better for them to learn with a stranger than their brother protecting them. Yeah. So I thought, let them go in the real world, let them learn the hard way. I mean. And um, that way there, they will learn the hard drives, without having uh, older brother protecting them, that's too heavy for you, that's not good for you, come here, go yes, there. Yes, yes. So um, Harry said, you need to get those boys across. Wow. Because now uh, the company has grown to a stage where you need loyalty. You need some people. And it was very that. hard to get loyalty um, from the employees where they were actually like nomads. One minute they were with you, one minute they were with the opposition. Because wow. with construction... Um, and service and maintenance, whoever's got the biggest work, that's where they jump across. Mm. Okay. Yeah. The more hours they get. The more hours, the more, the more allowances, um, uh, more prestige. So at one stage, 
Rhino Fire had the most prestige sites in all of Victoria. We had the Coles My contract, which means back then was every Coles, Target, Meyer, um, Red wow. Rooster, Office Works, wow. the whole portfolio from Muldura to Melbourne Central, like, like CBD, to all that a sale. Wow. Yeah, so every Coles Meyer portfolio was under our wing. And these contracts need to be serviced every month? Uh, the, the back then was weekly. Oh, wow. wow. Yeah. So the, the regulation changed in 2006. So we're talking back here in the 90s. Every week. Every week. So we had a team of people that would go around to these buildings weekly, weekly. Make sure they're. To they're, service and maintain fire systems to make sure they work at the optimum level. Wow. Then we picked, and we still had BHP, by the way. Oh, so wow. you know, I mean, my first client, we still had BHP. We had Pakapanyal. We had City Power, which is all the power stations and underground. And they had to be done every week as well. All of them every week. And the portfolios keep growing and growing and growing and growing. And then I guess in 2006, enters the third phase. So the peak of, of Rhino Fire was when I had my two brothers working for me. I had um, Jamal and I had Mo. Um, and they were like, mate, they were unbelievable. Um, I had my ex-wife in the company as well too. She was accounts manager. Um, so the business was running really, really well until a day I got a knock on the door. Um, so that goes, I think, I think we're phase three now, aren't we? Yeah, phase, phase three. three. So phase three, I got a knock on the door and a gentleman named Ed Fiddeman, who um, was a person from New York, who was um, a, a very well-respected guy with Tyco. Tyco is one of the biggest fire institutions in the world and he was their financial um, control officer. Um, and he's came down with, uh, back then was the Queensland president of the fire industry. No appointment. No appointment. And the New South Wales president, Ross Murray. And I've come down for a visit. They walked in my office, sat down and said, how are you, hey, some, how's it going, blah, blah, blah. And Ed Fiddleman was a really kind of nice kind of talking guy. Hey, going, brother, blah, 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 this and that. Really, really nice kind of talker. And he said, um, we come to buy your company. And I've just looked and we have not even a thought of selling the business. And said, um, you know, we've heard about Rhino Fire. We've heard about how much share do you have over Victoria. And Ed Federman's vision was that he wanted the Eastbourne States. So he wanted to have um, a fire company in Queensland, New South Wales and Victoria. Uh, and, he, yeah, and he's already purchased uh, Queensland a company in Queensland. He's already purchased a company in New South Wales and Melbourne is his next target. Wow. So I said no. You know what I mean? The company's running at its peak. Everything's running perfectly well. Why would I sell? The company's making very good profits and it was the strongest company in Victoria. And I said no. And he, he reached out and, and he tapped my shoulder and he said, son, take my advice. Everything's for sale. And I never understood that when he said that to me. And he got up and they, and they left. Wow. Then they got another call, another visit, and there was a, a counteroffer. And a counteroffer kind of actually made me open my eyes. I said, wow, this is good. You know, I could probably think about this. Wow. So um, I, I said no. How old were you then? All right. So 2006, born in 1996. I'm 30, 35. 35. 35 years old. 10 years in the industry. industry. So you built that business in 10 years. 10 years. 10 years and four years apprenticeship. So I was was 14 years in industry. Oh. Yeah. But a lot of sacrifices during that time. Lots and lots and lots of family sacrifice and friend sacrifice because I had hardly any friends back then because I was business focused. Wow. And um, I got a third visit and the third visit was an offer. Took her to say no. Like, she couldn't say no. An offer that you couldn't refuse. Yeah. <laughs> Everything's yeah. for sale. <laughs> and exactly. And that's yeah. what I remember what he said to me, that everything has got a price. And he was right. Everything has got a price. So um, I kind of um, agreed to sell. And I, what, what went through your head when, when that took what well, you, I, I'm, I'm going to like, tell you what, what went through my head because when, uh, what went through my head is when I came to sign the contracts after all the agreements. Mm. So we done all the agreements, the price. You know, when they went for all the accounts, went for the stock, went for everything, tick, 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 tick. 
We had a meeting in St Kilda Road. My accountants, his accountants, all the contracts before the payments, and um, the um, Ed signed and passed the paper towards me, and I looked at it, and I froze. Wow! And that's when everything started going through my mind. You know, I mean, what I built. My brothers are working in the company. Um, the company had a prestige stigma about it. Um, you know, I mean, uh, I started from a kitchen table with my ex-wife. You know, there's even days which was breastfeeding and doing typing because there was no computers back then. She used to use a typewriter. Wow. wow. So, you know, I mean, all that was going through your, from my mind and I couldn't sign. Wow. So I said I need to go for a walk and it was um, on St Kilda Road and the, um, the accounting firm was called Gina Partners. I've walked down, went for a walk, took a breather and I was, my mind was going a million miles an hour. And the only reason why I felt it was a good timing is um, because I was the sole owner of the company. And there was some hard times sometimes when you own the business yourself and you haven't got a partner or uh, someone who's probably your level in the company that you can lean on. Yeah. Mm. It's all the load was on your shoulders. There's no so, shared responsibility. Really. No it's shared at all. Full, you had a good, I had a good staff. Yeah. But but your different. Ball, it's different. Yeah, yeah. Your, your balls are on the line yeah. constantly. It's yes. like me and Iba. I wouldn't do business without him. Yeah. Like honestly, like without yeah, I mean, being oh, able they to were leave. Always and, on the line. Yes. Always on the line. I mean, everything's always on the line. A lot of pressure. I mean, your, your assets on the line. Everything's on the line. So then I took a deep breath and I went upstairs and I actually signed and cried. So I signed the the contracts and I bawled my eyes out. Subhanallah. Yeah. So that was a bit bit of a sad, uh, sentimental moment of my life selling the company. It's like letting go of your baby, really. You yeah. built this from scratch. Yep. It, even yep. Like the whole name, the concept yep. from yep. St- and, and yep. it's amazing. Like people don't understand, I think, in business how much it means mm. to build something yep. that has taken a part of your life. Correct. You know I mean, it's a it's a ten year investment. You know, yeah. it's like a child. We see like you know, yeah. we see businesses. Yeah. It's like a, a baby that you've yep. you know looked after and it's yep. grown yep. and it's walked yep. and it's running and yep. it's now like I got to let it go. It's yep. like. You know, yep. Amazing. So um, I'm, I'm going to touch a couple of things, and then we're going to go backwards, because there was phase one, phase two, phase three, and phase four is the current company that I have. So FIS, when I sold, I did ha- I needed a plan B. What I'm going to do with myself? There was a handover period. The handover period was supposed to be two years, and I call it, what they call it, or the industry called the golden handcuffs. They paid me too much money to stay. So I was on a very high salary and two years came end. I wanted to leave. They paid me more money, which reminded me back when I was a chub fire <laughs> as an apprentice. And from a two-year handover, became a nine-year handover. Nine years? Nine years. You stayed there nine years? Nine years handing wow, over I didn't a know company. That. And I felt like no one was going to grow around me while I was there. I so still remember responsible. No, not only that, but um, I became operational manager instead of general manager. But you know, I mean, there's people around you who want to move up. Mm. I still remember uh, there was a a, uh, a very kind of uh, a general manager in the company, and he said, "I mean, you know, why are you on his salary for?" And Ed Fetterman told him that it's called goodwill. As long as Hasem's here, there's goodwill. And he oh, goes, wow. "Me, how long's goodwill last?" He goes, "As long as Hasem's here." Oh so, wow! So um, I needed to get an exit plan. Because it's nine years now. Subhanallah. So I started thinking what I'm going to do with my career life. That time I had a farm. I bought a farm. Um, and I was thinking maybe I can probably retire on the farm and grow trees and, you know, I had a, some sheep. and But that's actually not brain stimulating. You know, I mean, us, you know, matardis need to be stimulated. <laughs> so I started an importing company. So I started Fire Industry Supplies and I thought this will give me an opportunity to do two things. Travel, because I like traveling, yep. and developing. So R&D, research and development. MashaAllah. So um, straight away, you know, I mean, with all my industry background, I thought, how can I develop things that I used to use on the tools and install to give it edge in the market? Mm, wow. So, you know, I still spend a lot of time overseas, develop products, and the company just grew from there. So now it's 10 years old. Mashallah, it's been yeah. 10 years. It's been 10 years. So oh, we had, I felt like it was we, yesterday. Yeah, we had our 10-year anniversary last wow. week. I Mabruk. took my staff out. Yes. Um, and the company has two 
um, arms, which is the fire inspection services That's what you mentioned and that. the supply business. Yeah, we, 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 we sort of were part of that journey a little bit. We had one stage when you were... Ex- we had Excel spreadsheets. <laughs> we had storage. <laughs> at, at, we had one, storage at, at uh, what's it called? At, uh, at Boogie's. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, like um, at the moment, like, um, no, 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 no. and uh, it's just kind of grown and grown. Sure. I mean, it started with um, just uh, myself and Rana. Rana's my sister-in-law. And even like Rana, like, mate, she was unbelievable. She was there for me with the books, paying the bills, doing sure. the accountings and all sort of stuff. And until this day, you know, for 10 years, She's been looking after my financial interests. Hello. So, you know, a special special thanks to Rana. Hello, Beth. Um, I mean, hopefully when she watches this, she'll, be, she'll feel some appreciation. Inshallah. Um, but she's a gun and um, she's always been my right hand um, with what's it called, um, the accounts and so, the business. Isn't that amazing? Journey. Like we've always, like, you know, even every one of us, I think in business, we've always have, Allah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has blessed us with people that support your cause yeah, and, mm. uh, and are believers in what you do. Yep. And really, yep. like you know, yep. and Subhanallah, like, and I think I've, every brother that I've met, yep. like Subhanallah, has got somebody, yeah, just uh, that it's got somebody within their yep. business that. So I, I want to touch on, two, and it's like me, I'm asking, I'm, I'm talking my own stuff, questions myself. I want to no, touch on two more, probably three more things. One thing is with the success of, uh, of my position in industry, what I gave back to industry. So um, during the peak of Rhino Fire. I used to attend all the association meetings and learn. Every industry has an association. If it's glass, building, master plumbers, there's an association for everything. Yeah. So our association is called the National Fire Industry Association. And I remember back in, a, in the early two, um, 2000s, I used to go to the meetings and I used to have a very small company and sit down in front of Wormalls and Chubb and all the big boys, and I just watch and observe and learn. Um, and I would, I'll contribute a lot of time, I'll donate a lot of time, and all of a sudden, um, there's a lady named Carmel Coates. Carmel Coates is probably the iron lady of the fire industry. Um, she became my mentor. She put me under her wing. And I love. You know, I mean, um, prepare my minutes, say this hasten, don't say this hasten. You know, go to all the relegatory bodies, and I was actually groomed to be the president. Oh, wow. Yeah. All from you just going to... Going there and watching and learning. Watching and, and, learning. and the people around you, or your mentors, or, you know what I mean? There's something this, special. This, this guy, we can do something with this guy. Yeah, subhanAllah. And He's dedicated. And I mean, I actually, I don't remember how long I've been president. Honestly, I don't know. But I, I think it's probably maybe 20 years. Maybe, you know what I mean? When? Yeah. We'll probably come... One day we'll give you the date. Because I, mean, I, I don't recall because that's been how long, long it's been. Oh, wow. But I still remember when I was announced president of the fire industry in Victoria, it was like, what a milestone. Love. You know I mean? That, that I've reached a certain peak in my industry. Would that, would that be your greatest success to this day? No. Uh, the greatest success will be, we'll come to that one there. That was the start of the greatest success. So being it was a president. One of the first stepping stones. Yeah, there was, it, was, it was like stepping stones. Carmel Coates will come with me all around Australia to all the meetings because I was a Victorian president. So you have to go to all the state meetings. And she'll book my hotels. She'll book my airfares. She'll prepare all my minutes. When they have the present report, she would write it. Wow. She would do all my work and just mentor me along the journey. Do this, do that, say this, don't say this. You know what I mean? If we go to the Victorian Building Authority, this person is that person. You don't tell him that. You tell that person that. She mentored me all the way. She, she had, had all the know-how. She was the iron lady. Wow. You know what I mean? Um, this lady, um, you know what I mean? The whole industry takes its hat off for her, you know, which is wow. unbelievable. She's retired and she still sits on the board for the Victorian Building Authority, wow. even during her retirement. So from that, all of a sudden, I'm at RMIT conducting exams now for all the students. So I became the examiner, writing the exams wow. for the fire industry, conducting exams, marking exams. So that became the second stepping stone of my Success in the fire industry. This is all pro bono. This is all for free. All of a sudden, I've been appointed on a board called VTAG, the Victorian Trade Advisory Group. Another kind of position had to be involved. Another board. All of a sudden, we've had a new training institution called Fire Industry Training. I became a director of that. So all those positions are oh. all time put back into the industry because the industry 
okay. gave me something. Sure. I mean, so I'm a true believer that with everything you do, there has to be some sacrifice for things that have actually rewarded you. And the industry has actually rewarded me many folds. Yeah, many folds. Isn't that amazing? It's amazing. So from being president to being on VTAG, to being on fit boards, all of a sudden I became on this QRC board for the Victorian Building Authority, which means when overseas students come, I had to interview them to find out if they were able to work in this country. Oh, wow. And, um, and I mean, I, I never let anyone pass that test because I always believed that they have to go and do an apprenticeship, no matter how good they are. Oh, wow. Yeah, so, but there was one guy who actually answered all the questions correctly and he got through. But I think <laughs> I failed every single person that actually sat in front of me. SubhanAllah. So, um, you know, I mean, so it became um, very hard work. And then all of a sudden, I became the national vice president. So when the president's not around, the national one, I become national president. So I'm the vice president. And last year, I was um, invited to a function. Yeah, we were yes. You guys we, were we, there. We yeah. were by chance, subhanAllah. We went so, there by so, chance. I would like to put that photo up. Yeah, so we'll, we'll, get, we'll talk, talk about it a bit about that story because that story, I know everything about the fire industry. Everything. SubhanAllah. I mean, and when I say everything, I know every beat of the fire industry in Victoria. What's happening, who's doing what, what regulations coming through, how we influence Australian standards and that sort of stuff. So um, there was a function at the MCG. That's right. And um, I had a table and I invited some of my close friends. I invited Ahmed and Ebi and Muhammad Hadara. Yes. Did anyone else come? They're right there. And Fonz was there. Fonz came, right. came from Sydney. That's right. And um, your mum was there. I'm sitting on my table and I turn to my left and I see my mum. The first thing that came to my mind is, why would Mo bring mum to this function? Because she wears hearing aids. I'm thinking, all this noise, what would Mo do that for? Wow. Behind the scenes, there was an award that was going to be given to me, and everyone knew about it except for me. Yeah. Wow. I remember. This Even shot. the night before, there was a board meeting um, with wow. all the presidents from every state and the CEO sitting in a restaurant, and all of them knew about this award except for me. Yeah. And that's what, I was, and that's what I was saying. Like, I know everything's going on. <laughs> that was the first time in my life that wow. I was actually surprised. And when I was actually um, handed to me the award, I actually kind of teared up because I, I saw my mum there. Yeah. My son was there. Um, a lot of my good friends were around. Inshallah. A lot of industry mentors were around. And it was actually like a really kind of high peak Shalom. Of my career, it was. Shalom. We were Shalom. so Shalom. glad. We were glad that comes. We were glad. Yeah. Yes. So, so, so the award was called Lifetime Achievement Award. That's, that's right. Allah. Right. So, um, in yeah, our in our are. in our fire industry, that's um, you can't get Shalom. better than that, I guess. Amen. So, um, I felt at that time in my life that I've done what I can do for the fire industry. Shalom. And look, I mean, and I'm, I'm always looking for a successor to come, and um, I guess take my position. Because I'm very humble. We have this thing, the Lebanese, the it's called the chair. No one, no one wants <laughs> to let go of the chair. The courtesy. The <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm not like that. But whoever's going to take the chair needs a sacrifice. Yeah. With this new generation, a lot of people don't understand how you do all this work for free. You know, I mean, sometimes I talk to people in my industry and say, "Come to these meetings," and I say, "What are we going to get paid?" <laughs> and I say, "Nothing." I say, "You do all this, no payment, no payment." You know, I mean, it's my time back to industry. That's yeah. it. Magic, mm. and I think a lot of the younger generation don't understand the magic of giving. Giving oh. the magic of giving, and and, and the self worth, how you grow. Hundred percent. When you give, it's amazing how much you, 100%. you feel. How mm. it it just changes you. It's yeah. kind of like we've, we've yeah. it's, it's, it's just it's just such a. It's got you got to taste it. I tell I tell these young chaps, you got to taste. But they're they're living they're living give. in a world that's all about me. Correct. That's, Correct. So that's yeah, the world. You're, you're, Correct. You're, you're fighting a big wave of, mm. it's, it's all about it's me, not. what's in it for me. 100%. What can, you know what I mean? And, and, I, and I see that all the time. Like, I remember back in 2006, I got called to sit on a standards board. So they're writing a standard for the fire industry. And I got called and they said, you're going to be representing, um, it's called AS 1851, um, 2006. So it's how you maintain and service the fire industry. And I felt back in 2006, wow, you know, I mean, for me to be involved in writing an Australian standard, that's, that was a big achievement. And I remember that I had meetings in Sydney, in Melbourne, and other interstate places, 
all out of my expense. I'll pay for airfares. Wow. I'll pay for hotels. There was no payment from anyone. It was all my own money writing a, a standard for the industry. Wow. So for me, I felt like I've always been very protective of the fire industry. You know, I've always been um, lobbying regulations, um, always lobbying government. Um, I don't like, um, how would I say that, is the industry being swallowed up by other industries. Yeah. So I'm very kind of always protective. You know, I mean, the higher I can put regulations in, the more it's protected. Wow. So, and I'm at the VBA at all times with the governments, with the ministers, and trying to find out how can we protect this industry. Sure. Yeah. The only reason it protects lives and property. Oh, it's not like a, having an air conditioning system where it's a luxury yeah. item, or or saying I'm going to put carpet in or curtains in. It's yeah. actually protecting people's lives. Yeah. I, yeah, I think we've we've gone through so much of your you know stage one and two world. professional. World. We want to know the Haysom. Yeah, we want to we want to touch base on that on the Haysom that we love and and all we know obviously. On on a personal level, you know, I mean, um, family is so important. Yeah, I mean, I've got three beautiful boys. Like so I've got two boys from my first marriage, Ahmad and Bilal. Ahmad being my oldest, like and Bilal, um, um, beautiful boys. Both successful in their own right, mashallah. Both successful in their own right. But the, the good thing about them is, you know, sometimes you need um, that backbone or someone to go to. If I ask for anything from Omar or Bilal, they're always there for me. So, you know, I mean, they're very special to my heart and they're always, always, I can lean on them. And they both anything. went to the retreat. Yeah. Both have ever been to the retreats as both well when retreat. they were young? Um, both we'll in different to... industry. Yes. One done by a medical degree and then become a lawyer, lawyer yeah. done a law <laughs> so degree and worked for my wife, Zena. And now he's going to his own journey of starting his own law firm. My oldest son, Omar, in the fire industry, you know, following some of his father's footsteps. Inshallah. Very, Inshallah. Doing very well. Inshallah. So, you know, I mean, those two boys um, have done amazing, I said, um, uh, satisfaction to my heart. Alhamdulillah. The other one, my, I've got my young one now, which Inshallah. is Rami. He's nine years old. Rami is a very lucky boy because not only has two older brothers, but it's like having three fathers. He's got myself. He's got Omar and he's got Billy. Yeah, and um, I'm also blessed with my ex-wife, um, Lily. Lily yeah. um, is like a part of our extended family and my son just dies to spend time with her. So it shows you the importance sometimes. Connection and family. Family is important. Even sometimes when you have kids with another marriage, try to keep that, you know, being sane. Mm. A lot of people use kids as weapons yeah. to fight each other. You know, I mean, I'm blessed that Lily and I have, you know, I mean, the right mindset that the most important thing is the kids. Amen. Not me and her. Yeah. Which brings to another journey of meeting my wife, Zena. Before we go on to Zena, because <laughs> she's been on our podcast, what would you advise? And there is a bit in our community mm. that have gone down, uh, going down your path, finding mm. a non Muslim at the yep. time, 25, yep. and their parents, the Arab mentality, yep. yellow out. Yep. If you're going to make that decision, what advice would you give that 25-year-old to say, hey, there is another way? Mm. What would you give that kid? You know, to be honest with you, I guess each situation is unique. Yes, It's very hard to give advice because we know of a lot of people marrying reverts and they're very good people. And we know a lot of people who marry from their own kind and ends up being a disaster. Yeah. So it's very hard to answer because each situation is going to be unique. Yep. And I know what... A lot of people want me to say the right thing them for the for the what everyone wants to hear. But no, I'm not, no, no, I'm, no, 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 no. I want your I'm, opinion. My you've opinion, lived it. You've yeah, lived it. My, That's what I'm my, my opinion, because I have no regrets. Beautiful. No regrets at all. And, and I, that's, I guess that's okay. That's okay. And I, and I guess I mean I'll go one step further to say that the downfall of my first marriage was not her fault; it was my fault. And I'm man enough to say that. Even after divorce. Lily being a revert and a non-Muslim from, from when she was growing up and from uh, uh, Eastern European Orthodox background, oh. she still took my kids to Islamic school. Oh, she still um, became the rock of the family with her boys and brought up two beautiful boys. So, you know, I mean, each story is unique. Yeah, I mean, yeah, each I mean, story is unique. Thank you for sharing that. I you just wanted to touch base. Yeah, so, you know, I mean, um, and it's very hard because sometimes things are written for you and you have to go over that journey. Yeah. And no matter how much you fight that path, 
if it's written for you and it comes right up to your face and it's not for you, you're not going to get it. Amen, amen. So, you know I mean? So each situation is unique. Amen. Maybe you can share a story with something like that where you thought you were going to get something in your life that you really, really wanted and then ended up never coming to you. Can you share something with us that's like similar to that in your life that you've really wanted? And, and then never... you look back, you think that was the best thing that happened. But All right, well, I, I guess, I guess um, that brings me to Zena. Nice. Because um, between my uh, first marriage and my second marriage, I was very lost. Very, very lost. Um, had a lot of down times and, you know, I mean, even got professional help, you know, I mean, psychological help. And wow. and there's nothing wrong with that. Amen. If you feel like that something's not wrong, if you reach out for for uh, help, there's nothing wrong with it. Amen. You know, I mean, there's no shame. Amen, amen. At all. And I think there's a bit of a stigma in the community. Yes, a very big, big stigma. stigma. stigma, you know? stigma. Oh, you're seeing a psychologist. Are you, are you a nutcase? No. <laughs> the psychologist actually spoke to me about um, when you see a psychologist, like seeing a mechanic for a car for fine-tuning, when the motor requires fine-tuning. You know, you can have sometimes a really good Ferrari motor, but it might need a little twig. Yeah. And that's how she explained to me I when that. I was seeing I some therapy. Because the, the, the Ferrari motor does need tuning a lot more than the bloody Toyota motor. Correct, correct, correct. So um, I guess uh, when I first met Zena, <laughs> it's funny It's funny when I first met her, I actually gave her a call for some legal advice. Subhanallah. So someone in the company done the wrong thing and stole from the company a large amount of money. Wow. And I don't know how, but someone said to me, I'll oh, give Zena a call. She's in litigation and she's a really kind of hardcore lawyer. She'll fix it, fix it up for you. And I don't think Zena believed me when I called her that I wanted legal advice. She thought that I was going to come and try to pick her up. <laughs> wow. So um, I really got the cold shoulder from her. Oh, and wow. then um, um, I kind of finally convinced her to um, to catch up with her for a coffee and to talk about my case. And um, but your I'm, intention was? Yeah. Professional. Subhanallah. Yeah. So I'm sitting down talking to Zena and she's looking at me like, and I'm, can I trust this guy? Or can I just trust this guy? And he's this guy. Fabricating everything. You know, <laughs> What's his agenda? <laughs> yeah. Now, what is his agenda? Exactly, exactly. And um, I guess from there, we did build up a, a friendship, but there was also um, a lot of respect. You know, I mean, and I didn't want to do the wrong thing in any way because I knew at that age of my life, if I was going to do anything new, that I have to do the right steps. How old were you then? Well, we've been married since two thousand thirteen years. 13 years. Yeah, 13 years ago. So you you fell off the horse and you went back on the horse. Yeah, 54. So I would have been 41. 41. 41. So 41 is old. And um, uh, (laughs) I remember what's it called? Zena saying to me, she goes to me, before we even discuss anything, what's your story? You know, I mean, <laughs> married, engaged, divorced, blah, blah, blah. And I said, oh, my God, I mean, where do I start? <laughs> but I mean, it's um, a the, cocktail we're going to But um, I had to be honest with her and tell her, you know, I mean, about my journey. And she listened and she respected and she said, Shalom. you know, I mean, um, there's going to be no rush. As things happen, things will happen. SubhanAllah. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, we stayed in contact, just talking to each other. And um, friendships grew. And then I felt like it was the right time to ask for a hand. And I remember I was talking to Dad. I said, oh, Dad, I'm, I'm going to ask for this girl's hand. And he said, no, no. You know what I mean? We're not, we're not going to get involved. You know what I mean? Like, so wouldn't they wish now? You're going to embarrass us. But um, he finally kind of, um, 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 I guess, had faith in me. And um, at that time of your life, we, was it part of that journey as well as, as practicing? Because- uh, Zena had a condition. Uh-huh. She goes to me, before you even think about asking for my hand, I want you to go and do Hajj. Wow. Oh. Yep. And that story on its own was, wasn't was even on the agenda. You know, I mean, a good friend of mine and I were going to go overseas to Thailand and Ibiza in Spain and <laughs> have a real wild trip. And then all of a sudden God just spun the whole world around. And I had Zena saying about talking about Hajj. And this mate of mine came to my door in my office and said, guess what? Trip's cancelled. We're going to Hajj. I said, what? Wow. We're going where? He goes, Hajj. I go, say that again. How about Ibiza? We're going to Spain. We're going to Thailand. <laughs> you know, we're going to Boy Street. Blah, blah, blah. He goes, nah, we're going to Hajj. Wow. And everyone's already left. So everyone's already left to Hajj. And we were the last two. SubhanAllah. Just decided to go. It was really And, oh and everything just happened. Tickets. Um, arrival, I love all this. Um, and it was the best pilgrimage 
trip in a lifetime. Love. Everything went well. Everything worked, and we had the best time of my life. Changed the world. Changed my life. And I came back a much more humble person. So um, Hajj does that. Yeah. Hajj, Hajj gives you a different perspective yeah. on the world, doesn't look it? Around, you look around you in Hajj and everyone's in white, rich, poor, um, from different aspects of society, yeah. um, nationalities, different parts of the world. But you come back and you feel very, very humble. Yeah, very blessed. You know, I've always been humbled. It just took me to the next level down. Inshallah. So, um, yeah, so that was one of the conditions of marriage. Oh, wow. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't know that. Yep. And then... Um, I kind of asked was in his hand, and and it was a blessed kind of uh, marriage, and yeah. and the good thing about were your parents my, at this one? Hmm? Were your parents at this one? Yes. Oh, fantastic. Yes, yes. Um, How was that? And, uh, How was that feeling? Was look, I mean, it was it was different, different. You know, I mean, the first one I would I would love to have my parents. Yes, yes, I just didn't have it, but yeah. but I accept how old was it the first time. The second time it was more, I guess, um, it was unique. Because I was a different mm. level of my life. life yeah. I was a different mind. I was much more mature. Yeah, it's different. Um, and that's and, that, and that's what that's what people don't understand. Like you know, <laughs> we were talking about that yesterday. What the, the statistics say? By the time a man matures, it's twenty eight. Uh, totally agree. Twenty eight yeah. years I, old. I, I totally, he actually, I, I totally the penny agree. Drops. No, like yeah. I, I think back now, and I, I bought a house when I was around twenty two. You know, what I mean, that was crazy. You know, what I mean, oh. and buying a house for um, just to catch, catch up of a girl. You know, what I mean. <laughs> But um, what's it called? Zena uh, is um, um, I, I see her unique is because not only she's my wife, she's my buddy, and that's really important for someone when they want to marry someone mm. is to have a friend. Yes. Because if you if you can't be a, a best friend with your wife, you're gonna be hanging with your mates all the time. I actually enjoy my time with my wife. You know, I mean, no, I enjoy no. traveling with her, and I like enjoy spending time with her. And, that's, um, that's good and she's she, and she's actually my soulmate. You know, I mean, I if I had a choice traveling with her or my mates, I would choose her. Inshallah. But um, of course, but it's always about timing sometimes. I'm, I'm going to tell Adele that one. No, you can tell him. It's all right. It's funny with Adele. I always say, I love my wife because, man, you make me sick. Hello, my vatic. He's the only one that keeps us real sometimes. Hello, my vatic. Alhamdulillah. Yeah. But yeah, as I said, I know there's lots more to say yeah, yes, and lots sir. more to talk about. And it's very hard to put everything in, in perspective a in, a, in a small yeah, period of time. But yeah. it's nice snapshots. It is. It is. It's yeah, nice all, snapshots. It's all about, yeah. yeah. Alhamdulillah, mashallah, you showed that, that, that sort of the low moments, yeah. mashallah, and, and, yeah. and, and, and these high moments. Yeah. Yeah. And alhamdulillah. But, but success, success is all about in the hard work. Follow your dreams. Honestly, follow your dreams. And if you work hard enough, and you give it your best shot, you will succeed. Amen. It might not happen overnight. Amen. Yeah. But, I mean, there's going to be a lot of sacrifice along the way. But, I mean, I just don't want um, the youth or everyone saying, oh, that's, this is too hard. Raise the bar higher than your expectation. Amen. Amen. Now, always raise the bar. Even Amen. like, I mean, and I look back at my, when I was young and sitting in the smoker sheds in the construction site, I sacrificed by reading those books. I could have, I could have read those dirty magazines. But I knew for me to be successful, I have to work harder than everyone else. Yeah. Because of my background, because of my, um, you know, I mean, upbringing. Now I had to work hard. Hundred percent. To mix in, and, mm. and 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 to bring it back to today's time is get off TikTok, get off Snap, and utilize that time that you have. Because reality is, those, those platforms now are the people's yeah. magazines, are the weekly yeah. magazines, yeah. other yeah. things that are keeping you occupied. So true. Utilize this time and grow and, so and invest in your growth. So true. Amen. So true. Amen. But you guys like been doing a great job. Like this, this podcast. You know, I mean, I've watched a few. Even for a person of my age, it's inspiring. Alhamdulillah. And and it gives and it gives a person a good feeling that. There is hope out there. <laughs> yes. Amen, amen, amen. How like yesterday, is, yesterday. There is hope out there. <laughs> yesterday I had a, I had, I was yeah. just uh, at my pie, yeah. you know, doing a bit of work out there yeah. at nighttime yeah. and a brother approached me yeah. and yeah. said, brother, I, I thank you very much for this podcast. Yeah. I go, do you enjoy them? I go, why? Mm. He goes, bro, wallahi, to be honest with you, um, I feel proud that now mm. I know there are brothers mm. who are successful in our community and, and at least see success in a different light. Yeah. Yes. And subhanAllah, every brother and sister come to this podcast yeah. with a different shade of success mm. and, a, and a different lens of success. Yeah. And alhamdulillah, this come, you know, your mm. success might resonate with one brother and the other success so will resonate with different so brothers true. and sisters. So true. So and true. the key is to have so a true. broad spectrum so true. of 
what success can be. So true. Example. You know, because some people are extremely Dinian yep. successful. Some people are, you know, financial, some everyone, positions. Everyone has, has, everyone has a, a position. Allahumma barik fi. Allah bless you. Thank, uh, you thank you for your time. I know thank how busy you, you are, mashallah. Yep. We're trying to get you on the podcast <laughs> now for like almost two months and you've been traveling up and down and back. And so we had to book this maybe, what, two months ago. I mean, I mean. Allahumma barik. Please, uh, guys, don't forget to subscribe. Yeah. Tick the like yeah, button share. and share and comment, please. Yeah, please. And any commentary, any questions that you guys have, we can always uh, share them and, and with Haysom and get him to answer your questions if you need. So please like and share and subscribe because that's how it keeps the podcast going. Alhamdulillah, we are growing immensely. Alhamdulillah, within 13 episodes, and uh, we will, when we're looking at the amazing, Alhamdulillah, our, you know, we've reached internationals. International, Alhamdulillah, we're getting seen internationally. And only 113 episodes and minute, you know. Good so work. We, we, alhamdulillah, great, we great can't job. Great great job. You guys all, are doing a great job. All from job. Allah, alhamdulillah. Yeah, all from Allah. Yeah. And that's, that's a good point, you know, what you said about um, it's all from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I always believe that my success, it's not all about me. Amen. You know what I mean? It's hard work, but also powers above. Amen. You know what I mean? It's, it's so important. Alhamdulillah. And we end with Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. Thank you very much, guys. Thank you. And um, yeah, good luck with uh, future projects. Amen. And whoever does actually watch a podcast, watch the other ones too, because there'll be a message with every podcast Amen. because Amen. everyone's got a unique story. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much.